1: Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at cheapcaribbean.com.
3: At the time, there's a war going on. It just started. Right. They're making everybody pick a side. Yes, me and my brother caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. Between two at that time were the biggest drug cartels in the world. The most powerful, the most deadliest cartels. Mm-hmm. It's not somebody telling you like you're in a gang. It's the boss telling you, hey, if I find out that you're receiving one kilo from me, you're going to have to answer Then, not only that, they're going to say, and all your little friends that you have, that we know you have, I want them to get girls. Some of these people are my friends. Some of these people I'm like, I'm close to. Right. And you have that on top of me cooperating. The pressure of that already going on. We're still selling drugs, meaning we're still playing cops and robbers every day. (laughs) The government had a hard time understanding. If I tell them, don't send them more drugs to me, they're going to think, oh, these dudes picked the other side. Right. It's a war. Yeah. They don't play fair. If we send our wives away, we send our family away, and then they come, and they're like, "Oh, well, where's your family at? Right. Something's wrong. We put them in that situation. At the same time, it's like, both our wives are pregnant. While we've been cooperating. The place where the strangest, expect the strangest things to happen is right here. Our children are a month apart. Wow. Who does that? Who puts their family, their kids at risk? Right. We made the mistake of them knowing that we're family, man, knowing that we're always with our wives. As a man, you're like, damn, what am I doing? Carrying that with you, that what you're doing. You're betraying everyone you... Right. It's going you're against yourself. everything that you already... Everything that you ever known, everything that you work for, everything, all the people around you your whole life. We're keeping stuff from my own family. Our wives, us Four were the only people mm. that knew what we were doing. We don't tell anyone, because first of all, trustworthy. Second of all, because if we told those people we love, we were scared that they were gonna try to change our mind. Because it didn't benefit anyone but us. Listen.
1: Curtis St. Jackson
4: And I'm Charlie Webster
1: And this is Surviving El Chapo the twins she brought down the drug war
4: Getting out of the cartel and changing your life is not as simple as just walking away Every path had the potential to take away the twins' life one way or another age and family have a way of bringing your priorities into perspective. Breaking the cycle of their family history, stopping themselves from repeating what their father did to them, was going to be a monumental task.
1: It all goes back to family. It's that bond that keeps you going. You want to be better for the people you love. and create a better life for them, no matter what it takes. Ultimately, that was what pushed the brothers to do
3: what they had to do. Going to meet the feds we're in a hotel and of course we discussed what i was interested in getting the best deal possible and they were looking at me like i was crazy i do remember like my brother calling i want to know details and i remember him saying bro they don't know what the fuck they're doing they're lost they're just lost i don't know if this is
5: a good idea
3: that didn't make us feel good
5: We were in another country with no protection whatsoever, and it was just a very scary feeling, I think, for all of us because we didn't realize that the U.S. didn't have any jurisdiction in Mexico and that they would basically be on their own. And they would basically have to do everything as if the U.S. wasn't involved. And I think that's what was more the scary part knowing how innovative that the Sinaloa cartel was, was very frightening. Just because you know, they had people that they would hire, like IT people that would drive around and they would pick up phone conversations from the airwaves to make sure that nobody was telling. Cooperation is like, that equals death. You're in grave danger and there's no guarantee and I just was I think scared for our lives it was like so surreal I knew there was no turning back and that to me was scary in itself when Jay and Peter were meeting with agents Mm -hmm. that didn't sit well with me because Mm -hmm. I felt like somebody was going to find out
3: and we're kind of going back and forth, kind of just sharing information. I remember we met with them, I said, listen, Chapo and my colleague they want me to go see them. You guys wanna come? One of them had all tats, he looked like a biker. And at that time there's a lot of Canadians there. So I'm like, man, you you look like they won't even think you're an agent. You could come with me. I'm gonna say that you're my you're my Canadian customer. Absolutely not, that would never happen. I guess they didn't trust me. Like I was not ever gonna try to put them in harm's way. I mean, I was getting that bold, I guess, getting frustrated, so we'll meet with them and just give them information. We had given them a couple loads and just talked to them about the business. It was just stressful, really, really stressful. It was very, very stressful. I remember, like, at the time when I'm talking to agents, and we were, like, a little deeper into our cooperation. And they're like, I'm going to give your number to this agent. I'm like, do not give my number to no one. I don't want no one to know I'm doing this. And sadly, like, there was a cooperator who didn't make it. We come to find out that there was a Colombian man that was cooperating with the feds. And they had found out about it.
4: Against Chapo? Against
3: Arturo Beltran.
4: Against Beltran?
3: Yeah, they had a lot of people on the payroll, a lot of higher-ups on the payroll, in the government. And they, so this,
4: Beltran had a lot of higher-ups yeah, in the government on his payroll. In the US pay. government.
3: In the, in the Mexican government. Mexican government on, these, on his payroll. Yeah, these individuals are working together on special teams with, with the US government. They're feeding them information. They're in turn feeding the information to the cartel. And this is at the very top. So at that time, we're working on the deal. And cocaine gets a little bit hard to, to, to get. And Arturo Beltran, he's on the run. They have him back on the run at the time. Arturo Beltran's like, they're kicking out. Every door, he, everywhere he stays, they're like, I him, know. You know? Like, they're hot on his tail. And I remember they called us and say, look, I got five tons coming. Who called you? Arturo Beltran and the people like, I got five tons. You tell me how much you want to buy of these. And we're like, well, let me see how much money we can get together. So we end up purchasing like 1,040 kilos. I record those costs. And the load got through. And I purchased 1,000 kilos of that. I turned that over to the feds.
4: And were you not supposed to purchase it from Beltran?
3: No. Playing both sides at this yeah. time. I had to. Yeah, I took that risk because in order to for me to not only to complete my cooperation, I had to keep myself alive. It was a oh my god, it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare to be thinking like I'm the feds. Travel my Arturo. Like you're trying to just satisfy everyone and risking it all every day. I can't even tell you in words what it was like. At the same time I have my baby come.
5: He was a zombie for sure. Yeah, I was. Couldn't eat really. Wasn't present. Trying to juggle so many things.
3: And at the same time, like my brother brought the idea. He brought the idea to the table, then he would disappear on me. I'd be so pissed off at him, man. Like, Bro, like, you gotta help me.
4: What, what do you mean he disappeared?
3: Like, I hate to say it like that, but that's when I felt like I was aiming that he didn't like the idea of, like, recording the people. Once that hit home, it was like, it wasn't the part he wanted to entertain. It's just so ugly of a time, man. I worked so hard, man, just to, to do everything I could to help the government in order, you know, in turn to help ourselves in our future. I used to feel sometimes the government didn't do a good enough job to put the case together, you know? Like we're out there on our own. No help, like no guarantee. It was like November the 12th. I remember it being a nice chilly November day in Mexico. We had all the people with us. and I remember. I had been expecting the call from Chapel for like a day or two. And I had his phone in my pocket. I remember it was a white phone. And I had the recorder in my other pocket. At that time, I was carrying the recorder around. We're going to eat and we're in a convoy of trucks. Me, the like all of us are going out to eat. And the Mexican government send me up police present. And on a normal day, you know, you send a lookout, tell you how it looks. On this day, it was just like Sunday or something. We're gonna go you know we're gonna have a timely meal. And we're passing up like we're getting to, like, a popular place in Guadalajara. You know, they call it like Glorieta Minerva. And I see that they, that they have a military checkpoint, like a whole cop checkpoint with the military. And I'm with the convoy, and I have the record in my pocket. And I'm like, like, that's all I need for them to pull me over, and I have the record in my pocket. They'll just stop anywhere and put a checkpoint and they'll just stop pulling cars over. And I remember they see me, and they're like, they start telling me to pull over. And I kind of like, pulled to the side, I'm like, I'm panicked, I'm like, I'm in a panic mode. I kind of pulled to the side, but there's like a, a long line of the cars that I already had pulled over. And I kind of pulled off to the side, and I just, I just took off. And they didn't come. Thank you, God. I was like, thank you, God, they didn't come. If they'd have found the recorders, what do you think would have happened? Three quarters of them work for the cartel. Either one, they work for the cartel, the other, they're actually real good cops, and they're turning me in, like, why do you have a recorder? You know, I had people in the car, like, it was just, oh, my God, and those moments were just one after another. Not too long after that, I make another recording. I turn in a load of heroin. The government's allowing me to pay for these loads with our own cash. I give the government the money, they'll process the money, and then turn it into the cartel. And they're documented. They're gonna document all this. So my workers don't know that I'm cooperating. So I tell them, I'm on the phone with the agency, saying, look, we're gonna hand over the money at this place. At this time, and then he'll be like, okay, let me see if I can get my team there. Okay, we got a team there. So they'll just document that they're seeing this exchange of money. What scared me is that when I would send my carrier, that he never noticed that the feds were there. And that made me feel like how vulnerable this operation could be. He doesn't realize that the feds are watching him. I know they're watching him. You know they turn over the money to the cartel's carrier, turn in the money. Seven minutes later, my phone rings. It's Chapo Miles, like compadre, like their head of security. And he's like, "Listen, there's something fucking funny, man. Are you guys, rats." The guy's calling me saying that, you know, there's a car following him, that the cops are following him, that they're on him. I was like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm calling my worker on the radio and I'm letting him hear. I'm like, hey, did you see a car? Did you give him the money? And he's like, yes, I gave him the money, he left. Did you see anyone following him? He's like, no, yeah, I seen him go down the street. I went my way, he went his. I'm like, is anyone following you? No. I know that they're following him. I'm like, I don't know why you're saying that. Like, there's something funny here, man. I said, let me call you back. I'll never forget that thing. Sure enough, I think on this drop-off, the DA has a helicopter and has a couple cars. They're following the car back with the money. Usually I would have recorded a call like that, and I couldn't because he caught me off guard, and I picked up the phone. And he was like... Hey, listen, motherfucker, they're fucking following my guy. Are you a fucking snitch or what the fuck? Swallowed, I was like, who the fuck are you talking to like that? You asked me to do you the favor, now I'm the snitch? I said, I'm going to talk to my dad about this. Like, Oh, no, 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 just let me just see, man, maybe it's nothing. Get off the phone, I was like, whoa, shit, I'm pissed. By that time, like, our relationship with the agents already had kind of, like, like, kind of, you know, you're just talking. So sometimes we'll talk about life, like, you know, or talk about the case, or you know, with different agents. Or, hey, you remember this time, and how would you guys do this, like, or whatever cases. case is. And I remember calling back to me and said, what the I'm like literally probably even got emotional. I'm like, oh, my family's here. Like you're fucking putting my life in danger, over twenty fucking kids. Whatever the fuck, I was just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, who knows? Just Jay screaming, was
5: screaming. Call it off! Call it off! Call it Screamed, off! And I'm like, like shocked, like, like what's happening?
3: Like literally emotionally, like begging them in the like worst way. What did they call say when you
5: said, off. "Call it off"? He call
3: was like, it off. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, I'll call you guys, let me see. Let me find out. I I did feel a little betrayed by that. I'm like, there's no reason why you're gonna have to put my life. I I you don't have to do any damn things. Like, I'm right here. I'm helping you guys. And then I remember calling Chapel's head of security back and be like, look, I don't know what to tell you. My guy's good. I'm gonna tell him to take a couple of spins and see what happens. You know. And then he's like. Look, man, there's something funny here, all right? He's like, I'm gonna tell you something right now. That money ain't gonna be counted until it gets in my hands. So you're responsible for it. And then I remember a couple of days later, I just follow up, but I'm like, hey, so did you get the money? Everything good? He's like, yeah, everything was good, man. But like, weird, like. And that moment would drive me crazy. How could you sleep good at night?
5: How did you? You couldn't. I think I lost, I had lost Peter already when he started his cooperation.
4: Was there ever a time during that seven or eight months that you thought they'd sussed you, the cartel had sussed you, sussed you out? Yes.
3: It was nerve-wracking once I was cooperating. I remember this one time, like it was in October, September, October. They said they wanted both of us to go. He would call them, like at the time, they'll be like, La señora y el señor, they wanna see you. And I understood that was Chapo and Mai were asking to see us. I was like, we both can't go, you know? I explained to the lieutenant, and he was telling me, like, Yeah, let me call you back. Okay, one of you guys could come. But you got to tell me what day you're going to be here. And you better be here. I was like, all right, let me check some flights. And I'm talking to my brother like, bro, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, man. They're calling saying they want to see us. And I was like, look, let me ask them for some cocaine. If they give it to us, then we're good they say no, then something's wrong.
4: But you do not think then they could be tricking you?
3: Yeah, but they don't want to trick you and give you 700 kilos. Right, okay. You know what I'm saying?
4: (laughs) So if they gave you coke, it was a way to know that they hadn't figured you out?
3: Yeah, because now they would have been like, no, come see me, then we'll talk. Then I would have been like, okay will be there Friday and be like we gotta go you know
5: <laughs> yeah
3: I remember asking him for the like, okay I'm like I asked him for like a large amount he's like hey let me see what I have and he tells me like yeah we have 380 whatever I could give you the rest in a couple of days I was like okay great when can I pick him up oh well, you can pick him up tomorrow if you want or today and I felt okay I felt that tense like we'll see what he says and then you know at that time, you know, I'm talking, and he's texting me some stuff. And I'm like, all right, brother, you could go. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
3: But it was still nervous, like, sending my brother, you know? How did Jay go? So Jay went. He was there, and everybody was there during that meeting. There was a lot of main cartilage, you know? My brother was snapping pictures. I can't believe it. I'm like, bro, like, why would you do that? Why would you risk it? It's not coming, they'll let you keep your phone. So that was like a major, like, normal. like, why would you do that? Sometimes I would record stuff on my phone, take, like, pictures. I remember one time I took so many good pictures that something happened where I got nervous, and I started erasing the pictures. Like, I didn't want to be like, why are you taking pictures? I mean, my wife is right here. I think we talked about it. And sometimes she'll be like, how the fuck did you do that? There's one time where they had a table, and they have all kinds of stuff on top of the table, radios and stuff. And I said, I like, I'll call him, senor, senor. I'm like, I'm going to step away. I'm going to use your phone. I got to call, check in. And I had check in with my wife. They didn't laugh about that. And I grab the phone, satellite phones, and I'll dial. I would buy a brand new phone so I could actually, I'll buy a brand new phone that I had with me, you know, to be able to talk to Peter or to like, that. So I will buy brand new phones just for those visits. I have their phone number. You know, I have no service on my phone. So I have Dallas phone. I call the number on the satellite phone. It'll ring. I'll hang up while it's not working. I'll grab the next phone. Ring. Hang up. I try to get all the phones there. I even be like, if I see them have a phone, hey, the phone's there, I don't know, it's not going through, let me see your phone. Now I have all their phone numbers.
5: That was nerve-wracking because he's there using every phone of their but they,
3: of I family. always did it though. So it wasn't like something.
4: Yeah, well, you're not scared they'd be suspicious.
3: I always did it. And I was calling my wife's phone. It's like I was calling the agent. But I was just registering all the numbers. So I could give it to the government.
1: Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at cheapcaribbean.com.
3: People will chop on my heart, through, but I don't care who you are. They're just regular men. Selfish people. They're not, you know, they're not gods. They're not, they're regular corrupt ass people. They only care about themselves. They will bend and break every rule, betray you and kill you and not care about you. Honestly, it was funny. They would do anything to save their own family, cooperate, sell out their main best friend, to save their own family, and then they want to kill you because you do the same for yours. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. So many things to think about, and I live with that for months. Every day to try to like let go. My only escape was just a couple of moments with my wife that I could get in there, and then be reminded of what I'm gonna do. It was just. So dreadful to just wake up, and so scary to go to sleep. And then you know, the people who depended on us, I was gonna turn my back on them. Everything we worked so hard to build, like you were building a big old prison around yourself, and then you have to knock it down somehow to go into another prison. I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I was just mad at myself, like this is what I did. At the same time, I felt like some kind of like, OK, what I could do, I did. I had to tell my family all the time. Everything I could do to put myself in a good situation, mm-hmm. I did it. Everything I, I could have done for the government, I went above and beyond. There's nothing more left I could do at that point. I gave them millions of dollars. I turned in people. I turned in drugs. I turned in everything. I did everything in my power. I went above and beyond to help build this case from practically alone. My brother and I were alone. It took work to be. It took sacrifice. It took God's blessings to just be here today.
4: Do you still think it was the right decision? Be honest.
3: Now you talk to me on a Monday, I tell you yes. Uh, Two of I tell you no.
4: Nine months of recording deals with the lieutenants of the cartel certainly helped the feds put together their case. But there was one major piece of evidence they needed a call with Chapo himself. It's something that, until now, have been impossible for anybody to get.
3: I remember I missed the first call. I missed the call when he called me. I remember I was sitting there. And I remember my brother standing there. I dropped my bag, and I ran back to the house. The girls are there. And they see me. And I told my brother, like, follow me upstairs.
4: Because there was loads of people in the house all
3: the time. Yeah. You know, just running away, like, just trying to get away and get a quiet space. I was so nervous not, of course, to make the recording, but of what was to come. What did this mean for my life? Like, it was an ugly feeling, you know? Like, getting the recorder out, and the only thing the fence, like, giving me, like, a earpiece with a microphone on it, you know? When you put the phone to your ear, you could hear it, and then they could record. I remember putting it to my ear, and, like, the secretary answered. I'm like, oh, it's the twin. Amigo, buenas noches.
4: Buenas ¿qué Bien, ¿cómo le va? Where were you in the house?
3: Upstairs. I remember we were in the first bedroom. And I remember locking the doors. Jade, like right there. In your face? Yeah, and I'm like. I don't even know what to say. I remember him saying amigo, like hearing his voice again.
6: Amigo! ¿Qué dice? ¿Cómo está? Bien, bien, ¿Cómo está tu todos The
4: call with Chapo was the one chance the twins had to prove that they were telling the truth to the US government. It was their only ticket out. Their life depended on this one call. Without the recording, the vital piece of evidence the feds needed, they wouldn't have been able to make a deal. All they had to do was get Chapo to confess without raising any suspicion at all from the world's most notorious and violent drug boss, the man who personally admitted to executing at least 2,000 people himself. Easy, right?
3: I felt ugly. It did. But I had to get over that, and just use this lie about getting a cheaper number on the on the heroin. That phone call was just that what I was telling them was the truth that me and him had had a working relationship, that he knew that my office was in Chicago, and that that he had sold drugs to me, sold tons of drugs to me, to my brother, and that. And then he was like. You know, we we're working together to to move these drugs and sell them. I understood that at that time that to make the conversation good is that we we talk about future shipments and past ones. That was like a big moment. You know, I remember thinking like, this is like my way, my ticket home one day. <laughs> I remember getting another phone and just playing back the conversation like, with anticipation, like, I hope I got it. Like, nervous, like, did we get it? Imagine we did it. Imagine how a call job back, hey, can we do this again? Take two. This is the thing that can go through your mind, like, playing the conversation again and thinking, like, I can't lose this. Let's record it on our other phone. And my brother here, you, you could re-record it, you know, like copy it on your phone too, like bigger on off my other phone. And then thinking like, we're not gonna give it to the feds until we make a deal. It was those little troubles, those little struggles that you you're facing, all those perils of cooperating, right? People really don't know. Like imagine every day. It was like this for all those months and having our family and being stressful. And again, it's something that, that we, had to, we had to do. We put ourselves in that position. I will say, I think for all those years that we sold drugs, those months of cooperating, in my head, I was like, we're even. You know, we're even. Like, I didn't risk myself this much, you know, when I was like, selling the drugs. I Me and my brother putting our life at risk doing all this. I remember like talking to the fans. I was like, I got it. Like what? Got the call in my own chapel. They're like, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, for real. Like, you wanna hear it? It was like late, and they're like, bro, don't fuck around with me. Like, you really got it. I got it. And then I remember just them calling me, calling me. Our plan was not gonna work. They wanted to stop fucking around and bring it. It says meet us where we had been meeting before in a subdivision. It's like a big ass oak tree. Like the street lights, it was just like a dark spot in this subdivision that I wasn't comfortable with meeting at because other people lived there, but you know, I could only complain so much. Go park behind, you know, this land cruiser, bulletproof land cruiser with diplomatic plates. I'm jumping in the car. How am I up, you know, you know they just shoot me, just kill me. Is that what you want me to do, just die, just tell me. Like in cartel world, you know? Literally behind enemy lines, like just doing that. And that nervous thing of looking around. That nervous, thing. I remember my palms getting sweat, like, like feeling like cold, like sweat, you know? On your forehead. I was like mad at the same time, angry. Like, you keep putting me in these situations. I remember going and taking the recording and be like, Don't lose this. You better be there that day. You better be there at my sentence, you know, tell them what I did to get this. Oh, no problem, man. We're all going to be there.
4: And you just hand it over.
3: And then, what's, and I remember them like, what's next? Oh, they're going to authenticate it. Make sure it's it's his voice, but it happened pretty fast. Literally, we're like, it's midnight, one in the morning. When he comes like. we got a match. It's in. It was late in the night. I remember they called. They confirmed that it was an authentic recording. I could hear screaming, cheering. Like a celebration? Celebration. I was still taken back. I remember the prosecutor would tell me, I promise you, I'll be doing cartwheels and somersaults at your sentencing. No, some, and then he'd be like, I'll do cartwheels and backflips. My brother and I had the only legal recording of Chapel Guzman they ever had.
1: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels. And do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.
3: We didn't have a plan. Two weeks after the chapel recording, you know, we got a call, it's a Sunday. Our attorney wants to talk to us. It's early, right? 10, 11 in the morning, around there. And he said, you know, the U.S. attorney wants to talk to you. He said, he wants you guys to turn yourselves in today. And we were looking at each other like, wow. This reality just hit us. Huh? What?
4: Just like that, after around nine months of recording and cooperating with the US government, it was time. The twins were given two hours to meet back under the big oak tree in the middle of the subdivision and finally hand themselves over. The rest of their family had been in the dark for months. But as soon as the cartel found out about what Pete and Jay were up to, they would come for their family. So they had to drop the bombshell of what was about to happen. And it started with the man who brought them into this life in the first place, their father.
3: I think it was the hardest thing I had to do was to face my father. My father said, "You could be a killer, you could be Whatever. You're just not going to be a thief, and you're not going to be a queer. And the most important one, you're never going to be a snitch. I had a lie to him. Me and my brother came up with this lie to try to soften. Soften it up a little bit. We go to his house that we bought him. Regardless, he he lived a great life, right? His $3 million house, brand new cars. I said, we have to talk, and without my mom, it was hard. Like, I didn't even know how to say it. And I don't even know who even spoke. But I said, uh, I did mention, I said, Dad, the government found us. He said, what? I said, the government found us. They've been watching us. They know exactly where you live. They know where we all live. He's like, are you serious? I said, yeah. He said, come on, let's go. You know, he's walking, let's go, let's go, it. No, it's over. There's no more running. He said, you could go, I said, they knocked on the door and they said, your life is going to be in danger anyway, so we're going to arrest you, or you have a chance, you could cooperate. He looked, he said, what? And what you say? I said, we will cooperate. I cannot put my family in danger. He said, you will cooperate? He said, What type of fucking men are you? Cooperate, he said. The men, the people, kill you. They will hunt you. They will kill you. You could never survive going against them. How could you? You knew what the fuck you were doing. And I remember seeing it's not even about us, it's about our family. He said, Fuck them. You guys are fucking cowards. I raised fucking women. He said, "Oh, now you guys wanna, you know, snitches? So like, you know who Chapo and I are?" I remember, like, I never like talking back to my dad. I know who they are, and if it's gonna be me or them, I'm gonna choose me, me every fucking day. You could look up to him. You admire him. You do whatever you want. I'm not. And I said, they're giving us a chance to leave. Do it for us. You never did anything for us. You put us, you gave us this life. I'm just saying, just give us a chance. Let's just leave. He said, I can't. I said, they're willing to forgive you. They're willing to give you a visa. That hurt him. That like hurt I'm like. He looked like you because with that part already. You know, we were all in tears, all of us. My father, all of us like I could feel his anger, like. And then I said, Do it for us, please, just do it for us. Be mad, do whatever you want. But just do it for us. And I said, Me and my brother going to prison. The same I not much. just kept nodding his it. head. And it's just like. You guys ain't my sons.
4: What you're about to hear is the full, unedited, two minute, 15 second conversation that Pete recorded with El Chapo that was played in court during El Chapo's trial in 2018. Pete begins by asking how Chapo is, and Chapo responds with, "Fine. Nice talking to you. How is your brother?" For an English translation, go to lionsgatesound.com.
6: No. Bueno. Amigo. ¿Qué dice? ¿Cómo está? Bien, bien. ¿Cómo lo van? ¿Cómo están tus armados? Todos bien de aquí. Lástima que no me tocó verlo el otro día. Era mi hermano. Pero ahí estamos a la ahí estamos a la orden, ya sabes Si sí, oiga, todo bien, el gusto saludarlo. Oiga, acá además lo estamos molestando para lo del otro día que recogí allá Y le iba a decir, ahí tengo el cheque listo, no sé si. ¿Le quería pedir un favor? Dime. ¿Usted cree que que lo podemos arreglar? ¿Me puede rebajar unos 5 pesos de esos? ¿A cómo tratamos? Me lo está da dando a 55. cinco. ¿a cómo me van a pagar? Ah, yo le dije, oye, si me hace el favor, se los pago 50, pero ahí tengo el cheque listo. Ya tienen el dinero. Digo, si, si me los puede dejar, ¿verdad? la diferencia de 5 se los pago luego, luego y y si quiere mandarme más, pues uno dos. Bueno, este, ¿cuánto? ¿Cuánto es lo que te entregaron? Me entregaron 20. ¿Cuánto? 20. Ah, bueno, entonces este, mañana recojo el dinero, ¿está bien? Sí. ¿Alguien okay. ok, le agradezco mucho. Es que también, es que allá el, el otro señor también me había dado algo que no salió bueno y los tengo que ahí emparejar oye, con... Oye, que ¿tú no tienes manera de traer ese dinero hasta aquí? ¿Hasta aquí? Sí, ¿cómo no? ¿Eh? ¿Me lo das aquí entonces? Sí, sí, oye, si me da unos, este... Deme unos, unos días y, y, y aquí se lo tengo, es más, yo tenía un chequecito que ya venía y en cuanto me llegue si quiero le, le adelanto algo, cuando me llegue unos, tenía como unos 400. espera
5: espérame,
6: deja, ahorita voy a hablar con una persona, deja, si hay quien recoge ese dinero allá, sí ahorita te hablo para atrás, espérame. Sí. Ok, ok. Mira.
4: Surviving El Chapo, The Twins Who Brought Down a Drug Lord is hosted by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and me, Charlie Webster. Our producers are myself alongside Jackson McLennan. Research and editorial support is from Casey Hertz. Edit and sound design by Nico Palella. Original score by Ryan Sorensen. Executive produced by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and myself, Charlie Webster. If you'd like to know more about this story, head over to lionsgatesound.com. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson presents a Lionsgate Sound and G-Unit audio production exclusively for iHeart Podcasts.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at cheapcaribbean.com.